I'm Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 78 of the Speaking Club podcast. There are lots of sayings about knowledge from around the world. From Arabia comes knowledge acquired as a child is more lasting than an engraving on a stone. The English have a saying, knowledge is a treasure, but practice is the key to it. And my personal favourite and the inspiration for this episode from Japan. Knowledge without wisdom is a load of books on the back of an ass. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, welcome to the show. So I've got some questions for you. How do you establish your credibility on a subject without demonstrating how much you know? How do you make your audience care about something that they might on the surface find boring? And what is the shift in thinking that you need to make that will result in your public speaking being at least 10 times more powerful? Well, if you'd like the answers for one or more of these questions, then strap in because you're in the right place. One of the things that I see that applies across all forms of communication, but which can be especially fatal in marketing and speaking is how having an expert mindset can sabotage your message. And that expert mindset gives us problems for a number of reasons. Firstly, because we make the assumption that the people we are talking to are on the same page as us. Secondly, because we make the mistake in thinking that they will automatically care about it and be as passionate about what we're talking about as we are. And three, we can fall into the trap of feeling compelled to share how clever we are to secure their attention. And that comes from our insecurity. And all of this is going to result in an audience that is bored and has switched off. Now, I I think it's fair to say that if you've listened to enough of the Speaking Club podcasts, you will have some great hacks, tools and techniques that will just by default of using them, have saved you from making some of these mistakes. But I thought this was an important enough issue to tackle head on. Coolio. So the first nugget I want to share with you to keep as a guiding principle for all your communications is this. The greater the expert, the simpler the explanation. My ex-husband, Paul, is a great example of this. He's an employment lawyer. And one of the reasons his clients love him and that he is a great communicator, he does lots of talks, um, is because he's able to take complex law and complex subjects, he also talks on philosophy too, and, and make it easy for people to understand by relating it to things in their life. Now, what I'm not advocating here is making the message the same, whoever you're speaking to. What I'm saying is you need to tailor your message 
and the, the simplicity or complexity of it to the audience you have. Now, clearly, if Paul was speaking to an audience of employment lawyers and you know experts, then he would discuss the same piece of law in a different way to a HR person that's not got that same level of understanding. So my tip is make sure you tailor your message for the audience you'll be speaking to. Don't have a one size fits all. Don't try and show how clever you are. Keep things simple. Keep them right at the level of the audience that you're talking to. And surprise, surprise, at the heart of this point is that we need to take some time up front to consider the audience we're going to be talking to and all of the other stuff I normally talk to you about. Where are they in relation to the message, the problem and so on. Keep the audience front and centre in your talk planning. At a recent coaching session, one of my clients told me that she told one of her clients that she needed to add more fibre to her diet. And the lady she was talking to turned around and said, what's fibre? Now, that's a bit of an extreme example, but it shows that if we're able to make things concrete for people when we talk to them, and by that I mean relatable to something they're likely to come across in everyday life, then their understanding increases. So my client could have said, you need to increase the fibre in your diet. That means eating more fruit and veg, nuts and beans. Now she knows what it is, even if, she, even if she doesn't know what fiber is. And one of the best tools to use in this scenario, and when we're trying to communicate something complex or explain something in a way people can really easily get, one of the best tools to use is something I've probably shared it with you before. It's called the Kinder Light Bridge. I got it from a chap called Russell Brunson, one of my heroes, as you probably know. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it is just using analogies, but it's a great way to remember it, a simple way to remember to use analogies. So the Kinder Light Bridge. And this is all about finding analogies. And I should say that other things, analogies are other things that are like the thing that you're talking about. Okay, analogies are like other things that are like the thing that you're talking about. And these kind of like bridges and analogies not only make information and concepts more easily understood, but they also have the potential to create light bulb moments. Now, as you may know, at the moment I'm recording this episode, I'm working on the launch of my new online speaking course. And the other day I was trying to find a kind of like bridge for how the system in the course can help people. And this is what I came up with. The sensational speaker system is kind of like the map that Indiana Jones discovers in the film The Raiders of the Lost Ark. It will give you everything you need to get the treasure, including how to get through the booby traps. But it won't be easy and you'll still have to face your fears on the way to getting what you desire. Now I think that example will work even if you haven't seen the film, but if you have, and a lot of the people that I'm trying to reach will have, then it will have added a whole lot of powerful imagery from your experience to help the message land and stick. I'm pretty sure you will have seen big concrete balls and snakes may have snuck into your mind there. And now another tool to make sure people understand the importance of your message is to use uncommon sense. What's that? I hear you ask. It's a good question. Now, this is a phrase coined by two fellows called Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, and they use it in their book, Made to Stick, which is a great book. 
And I put a link in the show notes. It's fabulous. I love it. I help use it with my clients. I use it, try and integrate it into my teaching. It's very good. And they use some great examples of this, which I'll share uh, so you can adapt the concept to your messaging. So it's about uncommon sense. Okay, so in the book, they say that common sense is the enemy of sticky messages. That's because we ignore things we think we already know or that we don't think are important to us or we find too challenging to grasp. And common sense falls into that category of think we know it. So in the book, they talk about an American company, it's a department store called Nordstrom. I've been there. It's very nice. Who Nordstrom basically want their employees to deliver outstanding customer service. Oh, heard that before, haven't we? It's a bit boring. We know what that means. And that's the issue they had. The issue is that the people they're trying to recruit uh, will probably already have acquired their own understanding of what outstanding customer service means and that will be based on the experience they've had when they've been served by other people and other companies that they've worked for. So the challenge for Nordstrom is to overwrite the existing definition people have and they do this by, guess what, Yeah, telling stories. But telling stories about unexpected customer service delivered by what they call Nordies. So Nordstrom employees, who they call Nordies, if that's not clear. So like these are the type of stories that they tell. I, I think they're, they're based on true examples. So the Nordie that ironed a shirt for a customer who needed it that afternoon for a meeting. The Nordie who cheerfully gift-wrapped a, a gifts that a customer had bought at Macy's which is a rival department store. And the naughty who warmed customers' cars in the winter while they finished shopping. And the pièce de résistance, the naughty who refunded a customer for tyre chains, even though Nordstrom doesn't sell tyre chains. This is taking the definition of customer service, outstanding customer service to another level and an unexpected level. And these stories, though true, are so unexpected that they begin to shake the existing definitions of customer service uh, for these new employees, these new recruits, and it then makes them receptive to a new definition of customer service as a Nordstrom employee. Now, the only caveat here, and I need to tell you, is that something that just surprises people, that just is unexpected for the sake of being unexpected, in and of itself won't work. It needs to be uncommon sense in service of your core message. So that needs to be linked to the topic you're talking about, to the, to the insight that you want to give. Okay? So remember that. Unexpected. Uncommon sense. Okay, so the next thing I want to cover off, which the Nordstrom employee examples are actually a very nice uh, segue from, is... How much more powerful messages are when they focus on individual lives? Now, from your own experience, think back. I'm sure you'd agree that it is a challenge to absorb big numbers, you know, large data. They just wash over us. Percentages are a bit more relatable. They give some context. Analogies, even more impactful. But... The most powerful way that you can bring data to life 
is by telling a story about one person's life before extrapolating that out with the data. So you establish it with one story about one person first. Let me give you an example. So I was working with a speaking coaching client and I'd set her a task to do a five minute talk on why she loved being a football coach, like soccer coach. And one of the key points she made was that she loved it because she felt it had made a difference to many children's lives. And she went out to point out generally in what ways. And during my feedback, I asked her to tell me about the child she believed that she and the football team and their ethos of inclusion had made the most difference to. And she then told me the story of Tommy, a little boy who'd been turned down by all the other kids' football teams because he was too fat to play. She told me about how when he joined, he sat alone, how he was shy and scared. And she told me how he gradually came out of his shell. And she recalled the time, and she said she'd never forget it, the day that Tommy scored a goal and how excited he and the rest of the team were and how amazing it made her feel. And as she told me that story, her whole delivery changed. She came alive. Her passion shone through along with the emotion. And she was right back there in the moment. And so was I. She took me with her. And by telling that story about Tommy, um, I connected with what she was saying emotionally. It made it matter to me. And I, I really like, completely understood at a different level how football coaching made her feel. And then if she then followed up with, and it's the same with all of the hundreds of kids that I've coached over the years, then those numbers then come alive and I can see hundreds of Tommies and just the buzz of it really then sort of hits home. So, I mean, it's the same with those sort of fundraising telethons like Comic Relief or whatever you have in the different countries around the world. They focus in on the stories of real people because that's what gets us to take action, not numbers, not statistics. That's what gets us to take action. I mean, back in the, I guess it must have been the 1800s when Charles Dickens was around. I might have told this story before, but, you know, the workhouses, this is where they sent the poor. The, the, the conditions in these workhouses for women, children and men were terrible, absolutely awful. But no one was paying attention, not Parliament, not the, the, the rich, no one, no one was doing anything. But then Charles Dickens wrote the story of Oliver. You know, the, please, sir, can I have some more? That story. The little boy who came from a rich family, but by accident of fate, ended up in a workhouse. And on the back of that story, suddenly rich people became interested because they it brought it home. It could be one of them. It's a real thing, a real... You know, these are real people's lives. These are real people that were being affected. And that's when things started to change and conditions uh, became better and, and everything else. So that is the power. You know, you, I always waffle on about stories. You know I, they're powerful. But that is why. It's because it brings things to life for us and it brings it home. Okay, the last tip that I want to give you is the one that will keep your audiences riveted to their seats in subconscious agony and the only way that they'll get free is is through you 
You have the power to release them from their torture. And before I share that with you, I just wanted to tell you about a film I saw recently. Now, I watched this film on Netflix and it had all the ingredients I love, time travel, adventure and gadgets. And the premise was that this girl had invented a time machine and when her brother died, he got murdered, she realised that she could go back in time and try and save him. The trouble was, as any good time travel geek knows, you have to be careful about the impact of what you do in the past because it can mess up the present. Anyway, she goes back and things don't go to plan. Surprise, surprise. Got to have a bit of conflict in your story. And she has then to keep going back. But the problem was the film ended on her going back again. I felt completely cheated, like there was no resolution. The question that the, they'd posed for me at the start, will she be able to save her brother's life, hadn't been closed one way or another. I was left completely unsatisfied because the gap that they'd opened up, the, the loop they'd opened up, wasn't closed. And I was left without an answer. And that is the tip I want to give you. Rather than tell people information, which is what we want to do, what I want you to do is open loops and use intrigue and curiosity to make people care about your subject. I could have just told you that asking questions and using our natural curiosity is a way to keep your audience engaged throughout your talk. And I think I have done it in, in other episodes. Now you've got the information, you've got a closed loop. There's nothing, there's no intrigue there, nothing. So what I tried to do with the message around the last tip was to create an open loop and get you to be asking the question, what could I possibly do that will have people hanging on my every word? You've got a gap in your knowledge that you'll want to close. And that is why news teasers are framed using questions. That's why mysteries and whodunits are so popular. And if you're in the UK, I think it's probably been released worldwide by the BBC now. There's a, a, a programme, a mini-series called The Bodyguard. And everyone got caught up in this series. It was like viewing figures for a, a weekly TV programme just shot through the roof, which is really unusual when we've got streaming services now. But everyone in the country, or a lot of people, I might be exaggerating there, but a lot of people, like loads more than usual, were caught up in the story because there was a question about whether one of the main characters was alive or not. It, the character was called Julia, and everyone was saying, is Julia really dead? It was, ha it was trending on Twitter and whatnot. It was in the newspapers. It was everywhere. Uh, is Julia really dead? And that was a question about Keely Hawes' character. Uh, Keely, actually, Keely Hawes is featuring a lot in my podcast these days on the Storyled Marketing. She's, she's in a couple of podcasts over there as well. It's not deliberate, although I will say I have had a very soft spot for her since tipping the velvet. And uh, I did sit next to her during filming for Upstairs Downstairs. And she is very nice, but very tall. But I digress. So... Let's leave Keely alone for the moment. Um, so the big shift that will transform your speaking and marketing, well, communication generally, really, is to think about what questions do I want the audience to ask rather than what do I want to tell them? Does that make sense? If you can make your audience thirsty with intrigue, by continuing to open and close gaps throughout your talk and use stories and analogies, 
I promise you they will not be bored. Okay, so the takeaways for you to try out in your speaking from this show are beware your expert mindset and simplify your message to resonate with the audience you're speaking to. Push your message beyond common sense to uncommon sense with unexpected examples that support your core message. Huge numbers are hard to grasp. Tell a story about one person. It can be you too. It doesn't have to be someone else. It can be your story. We always talk about origin stories. That's a, you know, one of the, the beauties of those. Um, so that you get audiences to connect emotionally and, and it will make it matter to them. Also, utilize our natural and compelling curiosity as human beings and make your audience thirsty with intrigue. And ask yourself, what questions do I want my audience to ask to keep them interested and engaged and caring about the subject uh, ongoing throughout my presentation? Alrighty then, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And give the show, please give the show an honest rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It does make a difference. It shows numbers are going up. It's great. But um, I would love to help more people. Genuinely, you know, I do give a lot away on here. Just no obligation for free. And that's because I do really want people to fulfill their potential as a speaker and save audiences from boredom. (laughs) that's what I want so if you can share it if you can rate it that would be so cool also come and connect say hi on LinkedIn I would love to to hear uh, from you or Instagram I think that's at Sarah Archer 15 and uh, yeah come and say hi thanks again for listening wherever you're listening in the car walking the dog at the gym wherever it is I hope you're getting value I hope you enjoy it and I really appreciate you um, taking the time to become a listener for the show smash in that's it from me don't forget go grab your life by the nuts and get cracking hey if you're listening to the show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there but i wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.